Hello and welcome to our first Switzer Investing Show for 2022. I'm Peter Switzer and thanks for joining me. And being our first show, I will set the scene for investing this year with our expert guests and ask them what stocks look like they're in the buy zone right now. Up first is Julia Lee of Berman Invest. I will ask her about her plans to invest this year and whether there will be a time in 2022 when tech stocks will be back in favour. Right now, about 40% of US tech stocks are on the NASDAQ are down 50% since their peak. That makes me think that many good companies are oversold. Next up, Marcus Bogdan from Blackmore Capital, who manages the Switzerland Dividend Growth Fund, will be on the program. And this year, this fund, which I listed on the stock market a few years back, outperformed the long-standing successful dividend-focused fund from Vanguard with the ticket code VHY. Really glad to see that actually happening right now because VHY has been a very good fund. And I asked Marcus what he thinks about what will happen to dividends this year. Well, I know the very insightful US professor Jeremy Siegel from the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania believes 2022 will be a good year for US dividends. I think the same will apply here, but I'm keen to see what a dividend expert like uh, Marcus Bogdan, who is also a fund manager, what he thinks about dividends in 2022. Finally, Paul Rickard from the Switzer Report will tell us how he will invest this year and will look at the CSL capital raising, which Paul has looked at in close detail. Is it a good deal? And should you invest in it if you are a shareholder? And what about if you're not a shareholder? Should you wait until the raising is over or not? But before Julia, in the Switzer report this week, I look at my Zeet stocks, which, like most tech stocks, they have been smashed. And so I've investigated what the expert analysts from the big investment banks and brokerages are thinking right now. You'll see on the screen there's a table there. Zip is expected to be up 82%, Elmo 80%, EML 29%, and Tyro 63%. But the big calls by individual analysts are much bigger than the average. You've got Zip up 157%, Elmo 83%, EML 41%, and Tyro 86%. I think sometime this year, these stocks will benefit from a rotation back into the tech and payment sector, but you'll have to have patience. As the old saying goes, good things come to those too late. And gee, I hope this old saying comes true. So let's kick off with Julia Lee of Bourbon Invest. Thanks for joining us, Julia. Great to be here, Pete. So it's another year for us trying to pick the, the best way of investing in, in what I think is going to be a good year. Despite the Omicron problems, I do suspect A, we'll see a fair bit of good quality economic growth over 2022, and that should work its way into company profits and stock prices. How do you see it? You're absolutely right. I think one of the things at the moment that investors have been focusing on is the possibility of rising interest rates. But interest rates are still relatively low. And if we have a look at um, earnings growth, which I think is a key driver of share price action, earnings growth is still going to be relatively strong in 2022. So it's still all about the rebound and that should bode well for stocks um, looking into 2022, especially here in Australia where um, China's 
growth was pretty slow in 2021. But I think after the Beijing Olympics, things will return back to normal and there's probably going to be a bit more stimulus, which should be better news for our miners. Yeah. Well, I know that uh, Paul Rico and myself were pretty keen on BHP a few months ago and got down to $36. On the same sort of analysis you're putting, the market has sort of caught up with it. Okay, I, I get that. And the market is famous for rotating. Uh, a sector that's really popular then becomes very unpopular, which of course tech stocks and payment stocks are in that sort of uh, basket right now. And I came across an interesting statistic, which I, I shared on the, the, the program before I started talking to you, that, and I was quite staggered by it, Julia, um, something like 40% of NASDAQ stocks are down 50% off their peak. Now that's staggering. So I'm thinking to myself, I'm, I'm running this by you and 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 uh, Paul Ricard later in the show. You know, does it mean that possibly after some interest rate rises happen in the US, we could see a lot of fund managers saying, "Hang on, th this is just too big a sell-off. These are good companies. We 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 better start loading up on these again." Is that a possibility? Do you think? Absolutely. I think there will come a time when these companies are oversold and we see too much of an extreme to the downside. And I think that's one of the most interesting things about the share market, that the share market overreacts on both the upside and the downside. And uh, Pete, I know you like your statistics. So I've been running my own numbers on last year and what performed well and what didn't. And I guess if we have a look, um, sometimes when stocks fall a lot, we concentrate on these stocks because they feel like relative bargains. But when it comes to performance, it's actually the stocks that perform the best that usually continue to perform the best as well. So if we go back a couple of years to 2020 and have a look at some of the best performing stocks in 2020, Chalice Mining was up 1,633% in 2020. I mean, you might look at that performance and think, I can't buy in, it's too high. Well, guess what they did last year? 158% last year. Afterpay is the only exception, which was up 303% in 2020, but down 30% last year. But if you have a look at the top sort of seven, eight, nine, ten 10 uh, performers in the ASX 200, all of the best performers in 2020 were strong performers once again in 2021. Liontown Resources up 290% in 2020, 2021 up 450%. Novanix was up 235% in 2020, up 660% last year. Pilbara Minerals was up 234% in 2020, up 220%. And the list goes on. Imugene was up 212% in 2020 and then up 300%. So I think your viewers will probably want to know the best performing list of last year. And it's once again, some of those names that appeared in 2020. So Novanix, Liontown, Imugene, Pilbara Minerals, Paladin made the list, as well as uh, Unitel Wireless, uh, which made the list this year as well. So these are the companies which I think uh, ones to watch in 2022, I think we're in, <laughs> because usually the best performing stocks continue that outperformance. Yeah, we must look at that more closely maybe next week, Julia. But uh, one thing you, you may remind me of, uh, Maureen, my wife, um, who edits the Switzer Report, uh, one, one of you guys gave her Novanix and she got on the, onto that a year or so ago. And she keeps reminding me what a great investment Novanix has been. Maureen's been doing really well, Pete. I mean, I have a look at some of the investments that she's been making. I think you should get her on the show as well. She's been doing exactly wonderfully right. well. Exactly right. But just for those people who don't know much about Novanix, what, what does it do, Julian? 
I guess one of the themes this year is really moving to net zero. Um, and that means that cleaner energy is very much in focus. And whether that's through something like lithium, lithium batteries, looking at um, uh, lithium battery materials, as well as uh, things like, I think uranium might be quite interesting this year as well. So that net zero theme, I think is a structural theme and that's going to drive a lot of share prices. It's also going to drive a lot of companies which I think are going to try and jump on the bad bandwagon. I mean, Novanix is in that space and two of my favourites for this year are Pilbara Minerals as well as Paladin. Now, Pilbara Minerals already has performed pretty well over the last few years. But the reason I like Pilbara is when you're looking at lithium, there's either brine or hard rock, sputamine. And hard rock is the better quality one. Usually there's a superior pricing. And if there's a bit of volatility in the market, it tends to hold up a lot better. So that's why I like Pilbara. It mines in Australia. It's got hard rock uh, versus brine which a lot of the other stuff that sort of comes out of Argentina and other countries has. And the other interesting one, I think, is Paladin. China's very much refocusing on nuclear energy. And if we have a look at China's intentions, it's to build 150 nuclear reactors. Now, that's more than that uh, that's being built globally over the last three decades. So I think that uh, I think nuclear energy could be a, a surprising one in 2022. Of course, pretty early on in the piece, um, but I think that would be one to watch as well. Julia, uh, in the Boom Doom Zoom show last week, some people asked me about three stocks. I passed them on to you. The, the easiest one is Phineas. Um, uh, what do you think of a company like Phineas? Sure. Phineas looks um, at at software in the insurance area, um, whether it's to do with claims management or to help uh, run the company. And look, it, it has been, it is a pre-profit, importantly, it's not expected to make a profit till around about 2024, so in a couple of years' time. And we know companies like this have been uh, belted because of expectations around rising interest rates. So any companies that aren't making a profit at the moment, um, we've seen the share price declining. That could be an opportunity for a company like Phineas. Um, if we have a look at the company, the revenue growth has been relatively strong. And insurance is an old fashioned area where technology is really making a difference. You might have uh, seen things like getting an SMS um, if there's a house stone approaching your house to move your car undercover and things like that. So I think technology plays a big part and a, a more growing important part in the area of insurance. The only thing I don't really like too much about Phineas is that it is based out of Dublin in Ireland, which means that, you know, it's sort of an Irish company that is uh, based here on the exchange. So that makes me a little bit cautious, but I do like the sector it's in. I do like the business it's in. I think on any type of weakness because of concerns around interest rates, it could be an opportunity to accumulate for the longer term. But this really is a longer term story. You're looking at 2024 onwards for a profit. Yeah, I know, I know the analysts think there's 21% upside, and I guess the Dublin location means a lower tax bill, but that's what they often do in Dublin. Let's well, usually up. when you're in Dublin, it's all about the tax bill, isn't it? Exactly right. Um, Vulcan Energy Resources, the analysts don't cover it that I know, but do you know anything about it? Yeah, I guess if we have a look at Vulcan Energy, it is trying to cash in, I guess, on the um, lithium battery story as well. But in a, a bit of a more um, innovative way, I think it's using geothermal energy to try and produce lithium. Um, and it's involved in a number of things. There's a water part of its business, a biofuels part of its business. So, look, I think an interesting business, which is in the right place at the right time. 
Um, I just don't know if it's just trying to be a bit too sexy. I know lithium is going to be strong this year, but only really because uh, supply hasn't been able to keep up with demand and that imbalance is expected to uh, stay this year. So look, Volcan, I think it's interesting. I definitely am a big backer of the lithium story this year. Um, so Vulcan is certainly in on that, um, but one step more trying to uh, look at that carbon footprint of producing that lithium. So I feel like it might be just ahead of its time, but an interesting one if you want to start accumulating. It's definitely a writing that structural theme of uh, clean energy. Okay, one final one, Calix. What do you mean about Calix? Yeah, I don't, I don't really know this one too well. Um, I think it is quite a, a small company. So look, it's probably too small for me to be looking at this one. And I, I think the share price has been under a little bit of pressure lately as well. So um, probably someone for probably for someone who covers smaller cap companies, but certainly I think Phineas and Volcan look pretty interesting, but with Phineas, I'd be accumulating on, I guess, concern and volatility around some of those uh, non-profitable stocks. Okay, Julia. Thanks for joining us on the show. As always, look forward to talking to you next Thanks, week. Thanks, Pete. Great to be here. Okay. That's Julia Lee of Boomin Invest. And when we do the Boom Doom Zoom show on Thursdays, if Paul and I can't answer the question, we pressure people like Julia to try and help us out with those sorts of answers. Thanks again, Julia. Thanks, Pete. Coming up next is Marcus Bogdan from the Switzer Dividend Growth Fund, and we'll talk about dividends in 2022. Well, joining us now is Marcus Bogdan, who is from Blackmore Capital, and he also manages uh, the Switzer Dividend Growth Fund. Marcus, thanks for joining us. Peter, good to be here. Is this going to be a good year for dividends? I think dividends are fine as long as uh, earnings continue to grow. And the expectation is that we're going to get a continued earnings growth for 2022. It won't be at the rate that we saw in 2021, uh, which was a complete one-off of around 25 to 30%. Uh, but it will still be uh, in the vicinity of either in high single digits or low double digits in terms of returns. Uh, and one of the positions that we've got in the portfolio and our largest position in the portfolio is BHP. Uh, and those resource companies have had seen a very good recovery in iron ore prices at a time when they're very disciplined around capital. Uh, and so we expect that BHP uh, will provide very attractive dividends for our investors for 2022. We've also noticed over the last three months, the share price has rebounded nicely from quite considerable lows compared to where it was, say, a year or so ago. Uh, are you expecting these share prices to hold up for the big miners? Um, we've certainly seen, I think, the exponential change in the price where the, the price for BHP has gone from $36 to $46. Uh, now, and remembering, just as, as a, to take that back to the base level, BHP did reach $54 earlier in the year, it then collapsed to $36 and has recovered to $46. But I do think just beyond what we're seeing in the next few weeks, that the medium term outlook for BHP and those companies that are supplying um, 
minerals towards the decarbonisation of global economies uh, is incredibly supportive at a time when these when they've got incredibly strong balance balance sheets. So so we're very comfortable with our investment thesis with BHP at the moment. The uh, well-known US academic from the Wharton School, Jeremy Siegel, is saying that he believes dividend shares in the US, dividend paying shares in the US, will do well because of inflation. People will be trying to get, uh, you know, hedge against inflation. We know term deposits are low. Do you think the same kind of story will be um, played out here in Australia? Uh, to an extent. I mean, we don't have the same level of inflation uh, so far exhibited in Australia, but it's certainly elevated. And then when we look at real rates and when we take off, subtract inflation uh, from bond and cash returns, they look absolutely appalling. And so Australia and the Australian share market being one of the highest dividend yield uh, jurisdictions in the world, uh, just behind Singapore is number does number two in the developed world is providing investors with a dividend yield of around four percent, and then we've got the idiosyncratic nature of the Australian tax system where we've got franking benefits on top of that. And so, looking at that and looking at the prism of the returns that you're going to have with cash, even if if cash rates go up by twenty five basis points, uh, they still look look uh, poor compared to what uh, investors can receive in dividends. Yeah. Let's talk about uh, in, in the US, the, the pundits there are saying these three areas are expected to, to do well. Commodities, energy, and financials. Are you expecting those three areas to be good for you as well on your fund? Well, if you look at returns over the last month, uh, it has been resources, energy and financials that have actually been uh, the strongest uh, sectors in, in the, uh, on, on the share, share market bourse. Uh, and that's been driven by the recovery we're seeing in underlying commodity prices, iron ore, oil, gas. And at the same time, uh, we've seen central banks pivoting towards tightening financial conditions. Uh, and one of the tools that they will potentially use there is raising interest rates. And that has stoked some interest in financials. I do think that the longer term prospects, particularly in the resource side, looks more encouraging. Uh, but for Australian investors, the bank dividends look relatively stable uh, and still attractive at a sort of around that 4% level. Okay. Another area that hasn't done well historically has been a great sector to be is health. And I know you've got exposure to CSL and also to Helios. Helios, of course, is heavily involved in the provision of testing for um, the coronavirus. Are you expecting healthcare to have a good year? Well, healthcare has certainly been impacted by the virus and the impact that Omicron is seeing. And you've seen the, the cessation for some areas of elective surgery because we've got uh, Ramsey in the, in, the, uh, in the portfolio, but Ramsey's held up particularly well. What it does do is that that demand is not going to disappear. It's actually going to stay absolutely elevated. And so whilst they're not seeing the recovery 
in Jan in January, which is generally a, a low elective surgery month for Australia, Australian hosp and hospitals, uh, that recovery will be elongated. In terms of diagnostics, and you mentioned Helios, and we've got a, a, a position in the portfolio in, in Helios, it's interesting to see the PCR tests have never been higher. They're 16, 600% uh, above June levels, despite the fact that um, uh, rapid antigen tests are starting to be to be used. But there's no, there's a shortage of rapid antigen tests, uh, and so people are still using PCR testing as as a mode of of seeing whether they've got the virus or not. And we expect that that trend uh, will continue for the foreseeable future. Uh, and then in terms of, of, of CSL, uh, they've recently made a bid for, for a company in Switzerland. Uh, we expect that will be successful uh, and that will contribute uh, to fourth quarter earnings in, in this financial year. And the underlying thesis around CSL plasma and vaccine still still remains uh, sound. Okay, mate. Well, just to wrap it up, uh, the, the Switzerland Dividend Growth Fund, uh, you know, battles it out with the Vanguard equivalent one. And I noticed that our total return actually beat Vanguard last year, which is a good, good um, development to see. So well done. Thank you. All right, Marcus, thanks for joining us. Thanks very much, Peter. Thanks for joining us, Paul. Thanks, Peter. All right, Paul, let's uh, concentrate on CSL. You've done a bit of analysis of that. They, they're going for a capital raising. Why are they doing this? Well, they completed their capital raising in uh, December, Peter. So this, of course, is the follow-up, which is uh, a way for uh, retail shareholders to participate um, in effectively what institutions did in December through a share purchase plan. This follows the acquisition of the... Uh, Swiss-based uh, Vivo Pharma Group, which they paid uh, about 17.5 billion Australian dollars for, effectively to give them a very dominant position in the uh, in the global market for uh, treatment of, of renal or, or kidney disease. Okay, so why is it that they looked after institutions first, and then? giving the, the shareholders a, a bit of a, a chance to, to participate? Well, it's a good question, Peter. And of course, retail shareholders often get uh, treated pretty poorly in these things. But I suppose CSL would say, look, what we need to do is raise capital quickly because uh, for, to make a, the tender offer they did for this Swiss group, they needed to make sure they had the money, you know, so they could go ahead with it. The quickest way to do that is through the institutions. They can do that within 48 hours. Retail shareholders never decide as quickly. So it's sort of like an afterthought, by and large, let's get the money first, then we'll come back to the retail shareholders through a share purchase plan. The share purchase plan has some advantages for CSL. It doesn't have to issue a uh, prospectus, and, but it is subject to the caps, such as no more than $30,000 could be allocated to any one shareholder. Mm, okay. Um, do you like the deal? Is this a good thing for CSL going forward? I think it is a good thing for CSL going forward, Peter. I mean, I think uh, many would say they probably paid a top dollar, but this is a pretty exciting business. It really diversifies CSL so that uh, post the acquisition, about 70% of, of CSL's revenue will come from its sort of blood uh, plasma business. That's the CSL bearing uh, activities. About 14% will come out of Securus, which is their uh, 
influencer vaccine business, and about 16% will come from uh, through the acquisition of Viva Pharma. So it sort of diversifies CSL's base. What it's saying is that the, uh, the treatment of, of, of uh, chronic uh, kidney disease, that whole marketplace uh, is growing exponentially. And CSL says that from a, what is a global marketplace of about $13 billion uh, in 2020, it's estimated to rise to at least uh, $26 billion, roughly double um, by 2026, giving it uh, you know, very high um, mid-teens compound annual growth rate. And this is a way for CSL to really participate in a very strongly growing marketplace. We also argue that, um, that the product set that Vivo Pharma has and the product set that CSL, CSL has, uh, yeah, there are some, uh, it is complementary in some parts and there are also some, some adjacencies to explore. Plus they can bring their scale in R&D and um, other activities and take out some costs. So I think it's a good, good business. The market by and large, the brokers like the deal. Uh, I don't think there's been too many critics about it. Uh, CSL's had this company on the radar for some time. Uh, and I think it's another way to uh, you know, turbocharge what I think, Peter, is probably our best and Australia's greatest company. Mm, okay. So if you're a shareholder now, um, would you think it's a, a sensible thing to participate? Well, the, the biggest question here, Peter, of course, is CSL is what's in the category of, of expensive stocks. So the major reason not to participate would be to say that uh, you think CSL is very pricey and uh, maybe in this sort of world of where we're getting, you know, some of the growth stocks are being sold down a bit, um, CSL might lag. But... Um, you won't pay any higher than $273. In fact, you could pay less. The current price of CSL is a bit higher than that. Uh, and also, I think, Peter, CSL has demonstrated year after year uh, that it really is a fantastic company. Um, it goes through periods where, uh, you know, it doesn't do a lot, but, uh, you know, for those lucky investors that started with CSL in the, in the 1992 float of the then, of the then Commonwealth Serum Laboratories and paid an effective 73 cents a share, now worth you know, almost $280. You can see it's really been a, a phenomenally successful company. And uh, you know, its last acquisition was Sequiris, which is the flu business. That was some years ago. It's got a good record in uh, implementing these sort of businesses. And I think it's going to participate in a really strongly growing market. So I think it's a good acquisition. It's good for the company. Uh, CSL's got a great track record. It's a stock that should be in every portfolio. I think that many retail investors will do what their institutional colleagues do and say, this is a stock you put away for the long term. Look, it may get a little bit cheaper if, if uh, you know, we still have this sort of flight out of growth stocks, but CSL deserves to be trading at a premium and at a high PE. And uh, I think it's a stock for the future, Peter. Okay, imagine you're a young person, Paul, which would be very hard for you to do. A young person is very keen on the stock market. You haven't got CSL at the moment. Would you wait till after this, um, this share purchase plan? Well, well, I think that's one of the reasons why the price has been a little bit, um, you know, uh, has come down a little bit. Obviously, when the institutions you know, had to put up a lot of money, that created new supply. But um, look, I think for those who hold it, um, this is a core portfolio stock and, this is an opportunity to get in, um, you know, below current market price. And, um, you know, you've got to put these things in the bottom drawer a bit. I think CSL is a stock 
that you're looking to hold for the next five to 10 years. Okay. Let's just finish off by telling us how you think you're going to invest this year. Is it going to be any different, say, than last year? Or will you be employing the same kind of investment strategies on the basis that you believe the market goes up? Yeah, look, by and large, Peter, I mean, I think there's obviously the, the, the concern is just the sector rotation and really whether, you know, how high interest rates go and whether we do get this, um, you know, this real flight of, out of the so-called growth stocks. I, I'm, I'm going to say this time is a little different. I mean, interest rates going up, you can, you can see why it's, it, it's, it challenges stocks on higher PEs. But I think there's, there's, there's more of a reason to it this time, Peter, and the disruption of technology is so strong. That's where the growth is and the market is going to reward, um, you know, companies that can grow. So I'm not changing the way I'm investing, maybe a little bit more on the resources and the value stocks, but um, I still think the markets are strong. I don't think inflation is going to get out of hand and I don't think interest rates are going through the roof. Certainly they're going up, but uh, I'm on the on the side of this point in time that it is manageable and the central banks still want to get growth going. And so they're still by and large going to adopt a fairly accommodative bias. Yeah. Paul, I was staggered when I read on the weekend from Percy Allen that um, 40% of um, NASDAQ stocks were down 50% from their peak. That sounds like the tech stocks really have been given a real drubbing. And so it made me think that, okay, tech stocks are out of favour now, but if this continues for much longer, there's going to be so many good companies that eventually fund managers, maybe by the middle of this year, once interest rates have started to rise, will start thinking, well, that's, that's too good a, 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 a price drop for me to ignore. And I figure that sometime this year there could be a tech re-rotation. Is that, you know, beyond the realms of possibility, Paul? I think yeah, that's pretty much on, on the cards, Peter. In fact, there was a really another interesting chart in there about correlations, and uh, it actually showed that uh, tech stocks were just marginally positively correlated to interest rates, not what people are saying. The stocks you should be most worried about are things like um, real estate investment trusts and some of those other sort of bond-style bond mm. proxy stocks. Um, I think there's an interesting chart there. So coming back to your point, though, could we get a re-rotation? Uh, look, I I'm, I'm, think we could, Peter. I mean, we know the markets are like that. Uh, a lot of the cases is, is uh, yeah, buy the rumour, sell the fact. Everyone's talking about higher interest rates. Um, now they've got to deliver. And, uh, yeah, the risk is perhaps that they don't deliver as much as the market is expecting. In other words, they don't go up quite as hard as people are saying. Uh, and we get, do get that re-rotation back into the technology stocks, given they've already, in many, in many cases, come off pretty a lot already. Yeah. Okay, Paul, thanks for joining us on the show. Thanks, Peter. That's Paul Rickard of the Switzer Report, and you can uh, sign up for the Switzer Report. And if you do that, you'll get that kind of analysis and a lot more from many of our experts. Uh, you get a chance to... Um, ask Paul and myself questions just about every Thursday in the Boom Doom Zoom show. There's a monthly webinar where we get experts in. There's lots of really good stuff to make you a very successful investor. So have a look at the switzerreport.com.au website and make sure you join and become a subscriber. And that's the show for tonight. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget we have another show on Thursday. I hope I see you then.